0: This episode is brought to you by Certified Piedmontese Beef. Listen up, foodies. Make your next meal even better with real Nebraska beef. They have healthy, tender, delicious Italian heritage beef, grass-fed and sustainably raised on lush pastures in the Midwest. You can even create your own personally curated meat box that's shipped right to your door. To get two free steaks with any purchase over $50, use the code FREEBEEF at checkout. Learn more and shop exclusively at cpbeef.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by FX's The Bear. The hit series
0: returns with Jeremy Allen White in the Golden Globe winning role of Carmi. He and the team will transform their family sandwich shop into a next level spot, all while being forced to come together in new ways as they confront their past and reckon with who they want to be in the future.
1: FX's The Bear. All episodes now streaming only on Hulu.
0: Hello and welcome to One for the Road with me, Sober Dave. I'm going to be talking to some incredible guests over the next few weeks, all of whom have made the decision to look at their relationship with alcohol and take steps towards a positive change. My guests are all at different points in their journey, but all have powerful and uplifting stories to share. And that's why I hope you find each episode a valuable source of inspiration and insight. This season's podcast is sponsored by a great new startup called Tweak Life. They have built a well-being hub full of useful information of tweaks that you can make, including mindfulness, nutrition exercise, managing addictions, improving your finances and even the menopause. The last few years have been really tough for us all and with this in mind Louise created this hub hoping to help individuals and businesses offer this to their employees and apply some of these tweaks to make a difference to people's lives. This is free to use, so for more information, please go to tweaklife.co.uk My guest today on One for the Road is an ex-professional golfer who, since giving up alcohol in January 2019, now supports professionals in sport and business to trust and understand their self, mind and emotions – and to explore a limitless potential. It gives me great pleasure to introduce to you Lewis Harrington. Hello Lewis, welcome to my podcast One for the Road. How are you today, mate? I'm okay, mate, I'm okay. Looking forward to this,
1: mate. As I said, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to finally get the chance to, to talk one-to-one, mate.
0: So, and the work you're doing is fantastic. Thank you. And to you, mate, and that's why I wanted to get you on here. So maybe you could tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself. Of course,
1: mate. I mean, now, someone asked me this the other day, Dave, and uh, ironically, they were looking around the place that I was staying in, and uh, it was the letting agent, they looking around, and as they left, they went, oh, sorry, I didn't ask you, like, what do you do? And I'm like, how long have you got? Do you want the short one? Or if, if you're engaged in this, we could talk for a while, and we spoke for about 45 minutes as a result, to which she was probably late for her next appointment. But through my own lived experiences, it's drawn me to a place now where uh, I think in the simplest terms where I'm able to hold my hand backwards and support people along a similar journey to what I've been on, emotional understanding. Obviously, alcohol comes into this a lot, which I'm sure we'll get onto, but emotional understanding, mind, and basically unlocking potential that lies within that maybe you don't even realize is within so a lot of work on confidence belief um and that gravitated back to uh
0: sports stand as well as other areas that's the short version amazing and how did he take did he get the short version was that the forty-five minute and 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 i
1: I think you probably share similar experiences i mean this is a game-changing thing i'm finding more and more as you see i think through social media and things that that no i try and be as Honest as I I can. I mean, there's no nothing. I'm I'm, I'm not prepared to go with in regards to talking. And I think the minute I did that, you then find the particular individual had relationship with uh, an alcoholic. Um, yeah. One there, and then the net the one previous, and then that opens up all sorts of vulnerable conversation. But it's just amazing. I find I still find it amazing to this day that vulnerability is quite often met with vulnerability.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I spoke to someone yesterday. I bumped into them. And uh, I didn't actually know them; they knew me, uh, and um, they had a discussion about their partner and whatever. But because of that discussion, they decided not to have their usual Sunday afternoon few glasses of wine off the back of a conversation, you know. Uh, and and that's the great knock-on effect that a conversation can have, isn't it? It's like plants the seed sometimes, and that that's what's so good about our work. You might put a post out. And uh, later on, someone said, when I saw your post, it changed everything for me because I could really relate to it. And, that, and you know, it's amazing. So can we wind it back? Because, you know, these are life stories which I really enjoy. And as we said previous to this, we've come across each other quite a bit here and there, but we've never really had uh, a one-on-one conversation so this is going to be really interesting for me to find out more about you mate so if you don't mind sharing uh and we can talk about um where you grew up uh what your childhood was like and how old you were when you started drinking etc is that all right of course it is mate of course i mean well um, where are you based David? where's home for you i'm in the midlands now I- i've always lived in south london but i'm up in the midlands now Okay, so I'm not far from South
1: London, so i am always been Folkestone-based, so nearly in France, mate, I am,
0: so as <laughs> close yeah. as you can get. Just over um, the water. Um,
1: that's it, and and uh, most of my life, my parents moved away, um, how old was I then? So 17, 18, they moved away to Spain, they've been there now for 15 years. Um, but previous to that, that's where we, we were, all, all the family were always local um, to that and um yeah I, i've heard a couple of conversations you've had and i think a lot of people share the same thing that removal of drink now however long ago that was three three and a half over three and a half years ago has led me to open up into probably exploring areas of childhood and just trying to make sense of a few things um, which for me has really helped in healing i think parts of of me and uh I would have said pretty standard childhood, decent through school, loved sport. But the one thing looking back now, I was incredibly emotional over what would seem, um, pretty small things, um, to which I now understand wasn't particularly met as well as it possibly could be, but that's, that's okay. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty standard upbringing really. Um, but my grand, my nun and granddad, had pubs. Uh, my dad played uh, sport and was, I'd say was sort of um, a well-known person in the area in regards to what, what he did and, and his personality um, of which, again, I'm sure we'll get on to, but one I tried to probably step into as well. Um, that well-known, well-liked, um, lively individual that was always doing things, but as, Part of that, what I now realise is that obviously alcohol was a huge thing that was part and parcel of that culture. So mum and dad, pretty social, I would have said, different difficulties going on, but alcohol was a pretty pivotal point, uh, a pretty pivotal thing in our lives. And it's good, mate, because I haven't, I haven't spoken about this for quite a long time. So I'd say the first time I then started this particular moment was playing football. Before I got into the golf and um my nan we was playing on the main pitch here, so like the stadium, small stadium, but uh, we've got ourselves up at whatever we were, under fifteens, under sixteens maybe. And uh it went to penalty a penalty shootout and if I scored I could have half a lager. That was the that was the um that was the thing. And then looking back, like I mean it was all it was the normal thing. I was sixteen, go up, you could have a drink then with your um with your with your parents, of course. And that was almost the in- incentive, like the added incentive to do that. And I was obviously just going in unaware, unconscious of what that would be. But bear in mind, I'm incredibly sensitive. We lost that cup final. I'm crying my eyes out at 16 while the other lads don't appear to give a monkey. So, yeah, not a great combination as then to what comes quite sharpish at sort of 18, 19, 20, 21. But, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased we're having this conversation, mate, because you, you obviously have great conversations with people I don't. I haven't gone there for a while. It's, it's good. I Appreciate it.
0: And it's fascinating when we look back, isn't it? I mean, you say you were sensitive. I think a lot of uh, us that have a issue with alcohol are what we say HSP, highly sensitive people. And I was. I always remember I was in the cup final, uh, and I said to my dad, "Oh, please come and watch." Uh, it's at this certain ground. It's the university ground in New Morden that um, Roger Bannister uh, ran the, was it the four minute mile? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It was there. So I gave him all the instructions uh, and all I kept doing was looking into the stands to see where he was. Right. And it put me off my game. And rather than think, ah, oh, well, he's busy. he Couldn't come with that. It dominated my whole game and my performance. And then later on, I asked him where he was and he said oh, he couldn't find anywhere to park and, and he went back home again. And it, it devastated me, mm. you know. It, and it's definitely some of the reasons I drank in, in the early days to overcompensate for, like, my sensitivity because I looked at it then as a a fault where I don't now. I look at it as a, a real attribute to my personality. Do you know what I mean?
1: Completely. And, and I think... Even just you explaining them sorts of things, which are are, are, are tough, like gift and curse sort of thing now of understanding more the impact of such simple things can have, quite sharpish. But again, I think, um, I'm sure we'll get onto that as well, but that comes with its difficulties and what's wrong with me and then, you know, I don't want to blame anyone and there's no blaming involved, but I've just got
0: to understand this. But yeah, 100% with you. It's interesting. So, like, there's another thing I was going to say as well, was when you say 16, my son's a good golfer, um, and he was junior captain at uh, a golf club. And um, he played this competition, and it was his 16th birthday. And I've got a photograph with him with a pint, because it was a private golf club. They sort of looked the other way, you know. And it was like, I remember my Facebook post then was, my son's now a man like his first and it's like now i look back at it it's, jesus what was i thinking but that was coming from a drinker's mindset do you know what i mean completely i think it shocks me in a good way now but one
1: popped up you have their memories pop up and yeah. it's saying daughter's three four five years old i'm halfway down my pint of guinness at the airport and you just put it next to her as she sort of leans over the side and upload that to the world i'm like man you're you're pretty lost there at that point, but yeah,
0: yeah. So, how were you we, um, when when you you really got a flavour for it all? Then I
1: think it's then that from that moment there, sort of turning yeah, into seven, from turning into seventeen, sixteen, yeah. seventeen. Um, and I know I've had a few conversations with my dad, and he sort of he doesn't doesn't. And and to be honest, I wouldn't have it any other way as a result of where things have led to now. But he would say, he, I remember I was sharing his story the other day, but. Um, I must have been 17 then. And the, the the change is happening for me in football golf, moving into golf. And we went to watch several football games. He was doing well at work and we had the full treatment. And it was brilliant. Like, I'm a Man United fan. We'd gone to Villa Park at the time and um, and, and watched Manchester United play as the Villa. Stayed overnight in the box. Like, with a, a fantastic experience drinking throughout. And we went out on um, Broad Street, I think, was the main drag there with different things that were going on. and. I'm not old enough to get in these places, but I'm still going. And he's like, don't worry. Every time the doorman says something, he's like, he's with me. Like, it's okay. So it was quite early. Yeah. Six, what's that? 17, mate. 16, 17. And I'm I'm right in the thick of it and loving every minute of it. Yeah. I'm well, honest what, looking
0: back. What was your tipple then? Just lagers or? Yeah, from That was all I know. I, I, I didn't like it. Yeah. I didn't, no, didn't no, like, I like it. I hated it. it. We just liked hated the effect, it. didn't we?
1: Yeah, yeah. Hated hated all of it, really. But, yeah, it would be bottles of beer because I couldn't do pints of beer, but bottles of beer then would have been the, the thing. And then it, it quickly turns into – I never went to university, but I'd go and meet my student friends and turn into anything that was the cheapest
0: at that stage. Yeah. I mean, when I look back at me as well, I got into light and lagers, right? which, you know, the old man's drink back in the day, light and bitter. And it's like, and I was never an ale drink or anything like that. I got so drunk once on six pints of like different ales. It was like a, a proper ale night in his pub. And it's like all these thick pints. You know, remember the glasses with the handles and like the old fashioned. And uh, oh, I was so ill after. But the reason I had um, light and lager was because they would pour more than half a pint. And then you'd have the bottle. And it's my yeah. greediness that was like, oh, that's yeah. handy, because I'm getting over a pint. So my six pints is actually seven. And yeah. my mindset back then was unbelievable. But it's only when you come out the other side that you actually look back, isn't it, and realize the stupidity of it all. Uh,
1: without doubt. But I think you look back now, I don't know about yourself, but again, I think that word's understanding forgiveness but doing the best with what we got at that point we're clueless literally clueless like completely unaware of what's going on thinking this is the way Uh, and of course I know everyone's different but what lies ahead can often bring us to this point
0: so what about your golf right what what was happening there with that because you said you was into your football
1: yeah that switch there Dave from obviously I'm making some decisions I guess on what Life looks like as a result of working and, um, and then it became an opportunity or an option for me to go, well, I can pursue a career in golf and I was better at golf than I was at football and I was becoming better quicker. It was happening quite quickly. And then there was an option to do that. I was, I, I still had a dream to perform as in play at the highest level I possibly could, but maybe in hindsight there was always this backup that, you know, you could go and work as a club professional, you could coach. And I'd seen a lot of people five, ten years above me doing similar, seemed to be having a good time, living a decent life. So, it was like, I'm pretty good. I could do that. But if it all goes wrong, I've got that to fall back on. So I'd started, yeah, pursuing that, college, locally, playing in competitive tournaments, but not not really taking it seriously. In regards to my actions, I would say again, unaware but not taking it seriously i wasn 't i mean you would come on to them words, but i wasn 't disciplined, I lacked consistency, which obviously are two key key points that
0: for me to fulfill my potential. did you find your drinking uh, contribute to that because i i 'm interested in um the different mindset. Like I, I am the worst golfer you will ever meet in your whole life. I can play any sport, but golf was just something that I was just terrible at. Which is unusual that my son is such a he plays off like I think he plays off about four now, but he did play off scratch. You know, and I used to cuddy for him and I was like how, he he would do things that like, I said, how do you do that? I can't even hit a flipping seven irons, you know what I mean? But the difference I was thinking, like, if you've got a big competition on the next morning, would you actually think, right, I'm not drinking tonight? Or did it not make any difference? Because with football, I didn't care. I'd go out there completely hungover, like most of us. So was there a difference with golf? It was probably
1: worse in that them levels, really, from the experiences I've now seen in football. Because I think as you get through a level in 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 football, you start surrounding yourself with people who are similar to you, all trying to go for that. So if you can get the edge, everyone's trying to do that. Whereas in golf, the two go hand in hand. Even on an elite level, there's, you know, it's still going on. Um, And obviously you're very individual. So people don't even really tend to speak to anyone too much. So I think, I mean, I only just thought to myself as I said it then, did alcohol have an effect? And I mentioned them words, consistency and discipline, which are vital to, for, to create whatever you want to do, fulfill dreams, potential, in, in, as far as I'm concerned. And I didn't have them, and drink was the thing that probably pulled that away. I lacked consistency. Of course, I was inconsistent in my actions away from golf, and I lacked discipline, identical. Remove the drink now. They're the things that increase for me.
0: Not always, but they're, they're the, no, the, the things. No, but that... it's the, the clarity, isn't it? I mean, it's mm. a solo game. With football, you can, you know, there's 11 of you on the pitch and you can actually kind of cover yourself a little bit, can't you, and just get stuck in with a few crunching tackles and whatever. But with golf, you, I know from a personal uh, perspective of my crap golf, it's even like, I remember once I turned up with my dad and my uncle, and I think I drank a bottle of whiskey, which I never drink. But it's all I had the night before. I was literally hanging and I might as well not have been there. It was terrible. Do you know what I mean? So imagine because it's you're out there on your own and you've got a big competition or something. And, and if you've got a hangover, like it's going to really affect your, your mental state with, with that as well. There's,
1: there's loads and loads of different. Stories which should, which come with which come with some guilt and shame, I guess, because I'm competing for, for a living. You know, I'm a professional sportsman, and I was I was taking the piss really in a lot of ways because quite often nights before especially away, if we were travelling, it goes hand in hand. And a lot of people, anyone that I think plays golf will be able to relate that it's almost championed. Like you'll have people that go. I was brilliant for the first six holes until the hangover wore off. And then yeah. I was rubbish. I was back to my normal self. It was like, and and I mean, that was it. You know, you would have people going, I need to get myself to a level. You go back to things like darts. People used to, you know, people would play darts and go, I've got to get 10, 12 pints snooker to get myself to that level where I'm just what would be perceived as in the zone or whatever whatever they felt it was at the time. And and golf was no different. But I was always envious Day and, and i was always envious quietly of the two or three that would just do their own thing in the background mm. bed early i'd always be looking over thinking and now i see it like having i guess explored parts of myself just thinking i was always curious to it wonder wonder what that's like like the, and mm. outside of me is going ah oh, boring but you know the the one trying to fit in and part of me was always just observing thinking and now i am like there's
0: part of that in me wants to explore that. Mm. Now. So how bad did your drinking get? At what point was it like at, at its worst?
1: I think it was more the actions that came with the drinking early on. I had two drink driving offences. I had one at um one at seventeen, pretty much just got my license. Yeah. And then again at twenty-one, got the license back, uh, and then was looking at a well, when it sat down, probably one of the lowest points there because my mum and dad had moved to, moved to Spain and they had to come back because I was uh, obviously uh, going to court. My dad come back at that time. I don't, no one else did. And we sat down with the uh, duty solicitor or whatever it was. And he's, and he started mesin- mentioning prison sentences as a potential doesn't look like it'll be. And that was it. Like your life quickly comes crashing down there and it was in newspapers. And obviously, again, you're going into that same thing of, Huge shame geared around your actions because I'm like I'm not. Remember the I remember the judge the the judge standing there at the time. He's like, we don't we don't uh, like what what are you doing? Like mm. you've got this going on, and he, these words come out his mouth. I'm like, that doesn't help to be honest with you. Because if mm. I knew what I'm doing, I would, I'd I'd stop it and I wouldn't be doing these things. But we were, everyone was doing it. Dave, I, I met someone who I hadn't seen for a while, uh, probably or seen to speak to for probably ten years. Or so give or take. And, um, they're still doing the, the, the sort of same things to a degree, you know, two, three pints and, and driving without even a thought. But you go back then, everyone was doing it. And I don't say this for, for sympathy in any way, but I was the only one that got caught. That was mm. what it looked like. Mm. And, and even then, no one really, and I was like, okay, well, it makes sense. I'll take that if all of you guys can see this and realize what the effect is. But. Uh, no, it didn't. Didn't even have that effect. So it wasn't even. There was, yeah, no element of it being worth it for others, or from what I see, it wasn't nice that mate at twenty one. So was the drinking the worst then? It probably got worse uh, after that for another two, three
0: years. It's awful when you look back, isn't it? Like when you when you think about the situations that we get in with drink. That I know hindsight is always that thing, isn't it? It's like, oh, if things were different, but. You know, like i I remember getting pulled over, and there were four of us in the car, and I think I'd had six seven pints at like eighteen nineteen and he went through the boot of the car, looked at, it and didn't even breathalyze me, and he drove off, and that's like how have I got away with that? I must have stank of booze, you know, and touched well, I don't have to touch with it anymore, I don't drink, but i've I've never had any other situation like that, but I can imagine the shame of losing your license, how it would have affected my job then as well, because I had to drive to get to work and things like that. And it, But I also remember people getting done for drinking, driving and bragging about it. You know, what you said earlier about champion things, and, you know, it's like, oh, I got done, uh, I won't be able to drive. It's mad. Absolutely. And thinking back
1: now, yeah, there were several people then, yeah, that, that we're, were, were, very much the same.
0: I think it was a different era though, wasn't it? I mean, no, I'm older than you, but like we, everyone used to drink and drive back in the day in the eighties. They used to, the car parks were packed with cars. Uh, I remember once we drove up to London, walked around Sorrow. I think we was like 18, 19, had a skin full in the pub, drove up, didn't even, in those days, didn't have sat navs or anything. It was like, how did we do yeah, that? Where did we that. park? And then, getting the car and drive home again at two in the morning or something it was just mad times so so mad you know and and being in pubs without id just walking in there and clearly not old enough but getting served yeah 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 well that was the that was the big thing to get to wasn't
1: it i remember i remember being friends with someone in a, a, a well-connected person And you go on, i am following in the the, the footsteps. Been. Well, yeah, well connected person in the area that we jump queues in nightclubs and stuff, and and that was like you'd made it, you'd made it there. Jump queues like underage, get in there, balls, bottles of all, whatever else nonsense. Yeah, just you'd made it. Yeah, or oh, yeah, you certainly hadn't now, but tough now to see that again. It was a big challenge for me.
0: Yeah, seeing
1: that in the young in the
0: young culture now. Yeah. I know it is hard. It is hard. Like I saw a load of lads out the other day, and I, I obviously I couldn't, but I wanted to sit down with them and say, "Look, lads, look, let's have five minutes here." Do you know what I mean? Because they were being so stupid. But it's all part of learning, isn't it? So, so moving on then. So, what part of your life did you get to that you said before? You know, you always wondered what it would be like. So, where did you arrive in your life that you started to really worry about it and think? I've really got to do something about this. I, th- I think I've
1: probably arrived at that place many, many times, mate, if I'm, if I'm really, really honest with what destru- my, my destructive behaviors were having an effect on, on people around me. So relationships, I became, my daughter's now 30. Yeah. My daughter's nearly 14 and I'm um, yeah, 14 years ago. So I was like, early 20s then and that changed me for a little bit but that didn't didn't have the um have the effect and I think do you you know what I think it is was I just got it got so tiring constantly not wanting to be here or involved in anything that that it went past the scary point of that where it used to scare me I'd sit down and have a few counseling sessions that were okay and then just the same thing would happen again, antidepressants, moving on to the next one. But I'd messed up so much of what, of what I'd perceived. I'd messed up so much of life having been given all of these opportunities, you know, all of that ungrateful, like, or what I was perceived as ungrateful that I just got to the point really where I didn't make a conscious decision to stop when I think now. I'd sort of accepted that this was just going to be life. It might end early for me. I'd, I'd accepted that. I'd accepted that and, and, and almost fantasized about that as, as being like, well, that was, that's okay. Cause you've always got that. And I sat there one in the same place in Spain, golf trip. This would have been nearly four years ago now, about this time, another month on. And, uh, absolutely paralytic. We were out in Spain four or five o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock tea time. We played golf, got in at four or five o'clock in the morning, two hours sleep, none. Gone and played golf that day, not competing. This was more of a social event. And we sat in this curry house the, uh, the following night. And the lad, um was a friend of mine, sat sat across. We walked. And, it, and when I think about it now, and I've shared this quite a bit, it was all meant to be this way. There's about 25 of us that, we're playing, gone into this restaurant, there's a table for twenty-three virtually. And I'm the last two, so I'm sitting there with this lad just on the table for two. Like they're all taking the piss as as per normal, but that's all fine. And he just sat across the the way and said, Ah, oh, this I can't do this anymore. This is not for me. And I was like, And this was different, you know, we all we've all been hung over and gone for them moments and you go, I'm never doing that again. And Get you two or three drinks, push you out the other side, and you, you're back there again. But this was different, and it and I felt it. Maybe not. Maybe I didn't even feel it in him. I felt it in myself. And I just listened. And um he said, "I've seen this thing. One year no beer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign up for it." And uh, I couldn't get my head around. it. He's like, "You gotta, you're gonna pay pay a money to do it." And I'm like, "You're gonna pay money to stop drinking? Like, what, what, what's that all about?" Couldn't get my head around it at all. And he said, "If you do it with me." I'll I'll pay for you to do it. 60 days, I think. No, 90. 90. 90 days. I think it was 30, 90 or whatever it was for the year. And 30-odd days felt no real different, but I'd committed almost competition now because we were quite competitive as kids, the two of us anyway. And drawing up 10 days short of that 90 days, yeah, life life changed, opened up. I didn't know what was ahead. I didn't know what was ahead as a result of that but life changed. I felt it again. And when I go back, we said about that sensitive child and, and owning the sensitivity. Now that was probably the first time I actually started to feel and see around me the result of what these changes or what these conscious decisions that i would chosen to make the knock on effect it had had on other people as well. And myself, most importantly, Mm. Mm. um, so but weirdly enough, mate. I mean, I'd sat with. Uh, I remember my mum and everyone had said I have an issue, and I went to see the doctor, and I said an issue, and they put me to this. I guess it's one shy of what you then go to AA. But it's terrible, really, when you think back. And the advice was just like, oh, you don't seem to really have a problem, as in you're not. Are you craving it in the morning? These were the questions. Like, yeah, no, man, no, questions. no, not. Yeah, not not craving it in the morning. Okay, well, you haven't got that much of an issue. Drink a pint of water between drinks. And, you know, just take your time with it and you'll be okay. And I go on my way and, you know, think that I've cracked it. Like, I'm definitely not an alcoholic. There's nothing. Yeah, on, yeah. I haven't then, got an issue. Makes,
0: yeah, exactly. And it encourages you to keep doing it, doesn't it? It's like, you know, like I, I had a um, thing at a doctor's where they went through all of it and liver function didn't even come up. And I remember that day thinking, oh, I'm all right then. I can carry on exactly the way I am. It's just craziness but sorry mate I interrupted so you did no, the one sure. year no beer thing and was that when you stopped
1: yeah so that was that was the first of january 19th so it'd be four years i think this 15th oh, yeah, yeah. so
0: same as me then
1: first of jan 19 because joe was the same as well yeah, yeah
0: joe's the same i'm the seventh so i had an extra week but oh yeah that's interesting isn't that's it? it mate yeah that's well it, done yeah. that's amazing so what's changed for you everything
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like again you go, yeah, absolutely everything. But, but I would say, I'd actually say as well, and I guess this is where the truth really does come out. It was all it was all flowery for maybe 12 months. I went from the 90 days and said, I'm gonna do a year, involve charity after that. And that drove me to that 12 months. I remember getting to the first, you know, seeing a new year and everyone's like, What are you gonna do? Like, what what are you gonna drink? Aren't you gonna drink? And I'm like, Do you know what? I don't know. Like, it was Mm. no... And still, here I've rolled on. But my daughter's, like, the accountability is through the roof in regards to that. Her face pops up and the conversations we've had as a result of what her experiences were like now. But, yeah, 12 months there, Rosie, following to the January, and then probably two years of pretty torturous stuff. Really? Um, Yeah. Yeah, pretty. And But actively going into it, not... It was, it, 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 I mean, I'm a deep thinker. I'm intense. I'm sensitive again, which I probably own now. I do. I own now. And I went intense. I, I, this is where people talk about the uh, led me to like dive into addiction, but talk about moving one addiction to another. I, I would, I went into all sorts, reading books, listening to podcasts, um, fitness, um, everything. Yeah. Was just, just went at it. Um, researching emotional trauma and went went right in which obviously create add some friction with it as well
0: yeah it does and so i can really relate to that because the first few months um was like the pink cloud for me because i couldn't believe that i even went one day and when i went one day i thought well, i can do tomorrow then i've done a week i can't believe it i'm gonna see if I can do another week and it went on like that and then leading up to my year I built up Sober Dave and people were like uh messaging me how are you doing it because I think because I'm a bloke from Croydon covered in toes and I speak how it is it it kind of I had my own way with it you know and I had an event in the September that loads of people came to so it all felt like everything was falling into Shape, you know, and then I had my year, uh, and I ruptured my Achilles really, really badly. Uh, and then lockdown happened, didn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. and I couldn't get it treated. So I was hobbling around. I felt a bit low about that. And I didn't struggle not drinking in lockdown. I struggled with the feeling of being cooped in. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So then I started having more time on my hands, started thinking about things like you thinking about my childhood, thinking about rejection, thinking about my sensitivity and and started researching like you. And, and what I found that I owned a whole new can of worms up and uh, I went down this rabbit hole with it, um, which luckily I've kind of come out of and I'm glad mm-hmm. I did it. But equally, it made me realise I kind of swapped addiction from my boozing to... The psychology of my life, and I, I was reading about attachment theory, detachment mm. theory, uh, childhood trauma, all of that. And I didn't really have the tools to be able to manage it at the time, you know. And that's why I always say, like, you've got to get a period of time under your belt before you start looking at that because. You know, I call it the second phase of sobriety because a lot of people they go, Do you know what, I'm stopping drinking, and I really need to find out now why I drank in the first place. And it's like, hold on a minute,
1: I not mean, really now,
0: yeah, whoa, yeah, put the brakes on, yeah. you, bitch. You know what I mean? So when you say you struggled in the, in like the two years, like, was there a time in that period that you you thought, Do you know what, I'm I'm going to drink? Or was that a non-negotiable? It's really funny, mate, with that, because there was there's loads of times where I thought
1: and and then felt I wanted to drink. But I knew, oh, well, obviously, and as I started to, to do what I was doing, which happened as a result of the lockdown, I started obviously supporting other people. So I was held accountable from that respect as well. And I knew for most of my life, certainly as a parent, and this sticks with me to this day, think it was johnny wilkinson that said this in one of the podcasts but you can't deliver a message and be the opposite of that message and i realized for most of my life i'd been delivering a message to my children and to many other people really and living the opposite and and that that broke me once i actually saw that it really broke me so i was then how we talk of like consistency and discipline then the discipline became well if i'm going to deliver this message to Whatever it is, whoever it is, and I want to show my children and I've felt this change. I've got to live it. And that then come with its tolls as well, because you're like, I just want to day off. Like I just wanna and the thoughts were still there to have a drink, but the accountability and the change and the support also, the support I'd I'd started to build new connection, which I hadn't felt connection like this before with people that were on that same are very very different to anything else I'd, I'd ever experienced was enough, and it will always be enough. Now I'm, I'm fully aware of that, so I moved out of the family home as a result of that. It was one of the biggest challenges over the last month, and it looks like um, we're going to re-go at things now after nine months apart, which is which is a, a nice thing. But the place I moved to, there's a Tesco's over the road, and I know where every piece of alcohol is in that. That it's only a small one, a little Tesco Express. I'd go over there. You just get your your bits, um, whatever you get for, for most days. And when it's like ninety yards from your front door, you find yourself in there three times a day. Yeah. So, yeah, I still still am super aware. I still see it. The wine's always on offer, and as soon as I walk in the door, and mm. the thought comes in to go, ah, oh, be nice that mm. bit of football on this afternoon. Still, still, you know, a nice glass of wine. That do you know, and I, so I look at the what the positive. Maybe I'm being I'm, I'm showing that positive side of 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 what alcohol was for me. But very quickly I'll pause on that and go, you know where that goes, you know where that leads. Mm. Why? Why why what are you looking for? What are you missing in in you that needs this now? Mm. And I'll just go and pause on that for 30, 40 minutes. I was the same with gambling and name same urges coming back. I'll sit with that 30, 40 minutes and almost watch it pass now, Dave, which sounds a bit mm. strange, but I'll watch that pass and
0: I'll crack on. It so, can also be a default setting, can't it? I think you know, song, mate. You can. I mean, I did it for four years, right? And sometimes I get blindsided by it, and I think, "Oh God, where's that come from?" But you know, the way I look at it, I always talk about it like alcohol's like a, a past relationship now that I occasionally pine over, I occasionally miss. Because let's face it, when you finish relationships, they're not all terrible. Mm-hmm. You have good times, and we had good times with alcohol. But what we got to remind ourselves is that, in general, towards the end, there weren't many good times, but we fantasize, we romanticize over it, and we go, you know, like what you said, all the football's on, right? So you're romanticizing the fact that you can have a beer on a Sunday. Oh, look, there's a match at one, and there's the second match at four. I'll be well stuck into my beers by then, have a nice bit of food. No. We'll be absolutely slaughtered by four o'clock, fall out of everyone. Then the old keyboard warrior come in because you're bored, uh, and start texting people and then fall asleep at seven with your dinner down your shirt. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of like to see it as it is, but it's sort of for me personally, I, I think it's healthy for me to accept that I'm going to miss it. Because I do sometimes, because I'm kind of yet to find something that, well, in fact, I'll go one further. I don't think I will find anything that will give me the same feeling as what alcohol gave me. But that helps me because I realize, actually, that was a one-off thing. And by me not trying to compare something to that, I, I leave it on its own sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I think, okay, well, keep the exercise up. Keep the early nights in. Eat well, try and be positive. All these things that I try and bring into my day, that kind of, batter that fantasy on the head by thinking, well, you know, what have I got to lose if I did drink everything, like everything had come crashing down for me.
1: Completely the same. And I think the the, the thing that you said there, which takes some time, or really took some time because you'd be going over. I use that same situation of going over there and I'd be thinking about drinking and then feeling bad as a result that I'm thinking about drinking when I've stopped for this long. And I know all of these positive things that have happened as a result. And if I did, like my daughter would be distraught and all of this stuff. And the difference comes now where I allow myself. I just allow myself to go with just a thought. I'm going back to a previous experience. Yeah. It's, yeah. I'm feeling these emotions deeply. I had impact in my life and I'm, st- I'm going to have to have these conversations, but I just allow myself. And then you you give yourself that time to go, is this always going to be like this? I don't know. But if it is, I'm, st- I'm still okay with that. Like that's a different conversation with yourself, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
0: 100%. Yeah, it, it is. But it's accepting it. It's acceptance. And, and another way I look at it, we go through phases in life, right? Uh, through the ages, through the decades, you know. I mean, I now listen to Radio 4, mate. How about that? Where a few years ago, it was always Kiss. Uh, but, you know, I look at it like moving. It's an, it's another stage in your life, right? So, But you can still miss your, own ha- your old house. You can miss the neighbours. You can miss the shops that you used to go to to get your bits and pieces, you know? But you move for a reason because you wanted to change things, you know. So that's, I'm very visual the way I look. And I think, do you know what? It's okay to miss your ex-wife. It's okay to miss the house that you hated living there then, but it's okay. And, And that gives me acceptance. And it's like, if these thoughts come in, they don't feel like a betrayal of myself. They feel quite healthy and quite normal. Yeah. And I can manage them more and I almost sit with them in a more comfortable space than if it's like, oh, my God, I'm thinking about drinking. Does this mean after nearly four years that uh, I'm in trouble? And, you know, yeah. I don't I don't go down that rabbit hole there. So, uh, you know, that's why I'm always honest about it. And I've said in my post before, I really miss drinking sometimes. But that's normal. Of course I do. Why wouldn't I? I had some great times. But. I took the piss, and uh, I ruined it. I completely <laughs> ruined it um, by being a greedy pig, and and it got older me as well. And I'm wired that way that I'm I cannot be around alcohol. You, you, if you said to me something about gambling or online shopping or something, I I ain't got a problem. I've never had a problem with that. It's the booze, so I have to stay away. And I look at it as well like I'm allergic to it. You know, I'm just allergic to alcohol, and if I have it. Everything's ruined, so don't have it. And it's a non-negotiable. I'm
1: with you, mate. I'm with you. And, and I think that allow cause you, you, I think anyone that, that takes them steps early on and you do. And I think that's why you go, how, do, how do I start to accept? How do I start to allow? And there's loads of things that obviously become part of that process for you as the individual, but you think it doesn't take long now for you to just start to even even a couple of minutes to you, for you to go think of all the things that you've done as a result of making that one decision and you're like oh, i've got to have more of that whereas yeah. the you can quite easily like you say and i love that analogy of sitting alongside the thought or emotion or feeling or memory and almost just putting your arm around it and going well that yeah that, that's pretty good but i'm over here now and this is this is it's and that's that's a freeing thing mate you know we talk on emotion that's ultimately where most of my conversations and understanding goes now we don't like them dark yeah thoughts. we don't like them nasty emotions so we we don't allow
0: a space for them do you know what though mate i'll add to that because it's really important as well it's like kind of falling out with your best mate right and then you have a reunion when you have these thoughts but equally, you've got to be completely mindful that it could stab you straight in the back again. So never become complacent with that, you know, reunion because it's a, an evil force as well. So I kind of play it, play the game a little bit with it. But I'm equally really, really like my fight. Okay, well, this, this don't go too far with this acceptance business because. I know people who have slipped after 15, 20 years and, and I never thought they would ever drink again and something's happened in their life and they've started drinking again and it's like, wow, I never saw that coming because that's absolutely shocked me what's happened there. So, you know, it's about accepting but not getting too comfortable with that acceptance, if that makes sense.
1: Completely. And I think everyone probably shares the same. It come back to that word on discipline like you, the and self-discipline. I think the minute and I notice this within myself now, and obviously people take these to massive extremes as you start to open up into a world of personal development with people getting up at five o'clock and doing this and doing that and 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 that's like the 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 buzz thing around if you do this, then you're going to have to do that, and it, it of course you try that and find parts of that that work for you and don't, but knowing if you just take that word self from self discipline yeah. knowing yourself, yeah. Is, is like almost now that becomes a daily thing. And hence why I think people get pushed down that route of daily discipline. Yeah. Because it's almost like you've got to, oh, I certainly have. If I go two or three days without things that I know are good for myself. Yeah. I can all of a sudden it fuels these dragons voices in the head where all of a sudden yeah. it's like they're getting louder. I can quiet them. I can silence them. And by doing these things that I've built this discipline to do. Yeah, so, As you say, I think you only need a little run of that, and then all of a sudden it becomes quite a viable option for the loss of self as we did before.
0: And this is why I often talk with my coaching, because I know you coaching that, but about routine is so important for so many of us because we have to keep these daily disciplines in. And even if they're like subliminal, like when you drive, you know, when you first get in a car, oh my god, I can't. What am I doing with my feet? And my, you know, and whatever. But then, like my daily routines are quite. You know, I I must do this. I must eat well. I must make sure I I have space in between coaching sessions. I must zone out maybe later to a film or something. Stop thinking about it because I I am someone who can really just concentrate on one thing. Oh, addiction, addiction. Must read this. Must learn that, and whatever. I have to be really careful around myself. But I'm interested to know as well, and I'm sure the listeners as well, is since you stopped drinking, right, and you went down your own little rabbit hole about your thoughts and whatever, you've turned that round now uh, to what you do, which is incredible, uh, helping people live like a limitless life. Do you want to tell us a bit more about uh, how you help people now? Absolutely. It's um. I think I think the, the the
1: simplest way now to 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 put that in how we're we're working, and it's gravitated back towards performance as well. So obviously, with the experience I had in golf, it's gravitated towards that. With some golf professionals who are hitting dead ends and find themselves drinking and find themselves ultimately with a lack of discipline and consistency, uh, and that's there's been some footballers that have reached out as a result of that. Um, and I think sports professionals in general probably all share quite a similar high pressured, let's say high pressured environment, but also have their own escape routines and are, are therefore creative individuals as well. So come back to pretty sensitive, but don't have a safe space to be sensitive in. Yeah. Um, and and that's also been the same. That I wanted to work really hard to start with to narrow it down and go. Well, I'm going to do them. We talked. I've talked to, to business coaches, and I can get this all. All, all right I'm searching I'm, I'm searching to go if I just get this right with this that's going to be I'm going to deal with these people it's going to do that then I can really grow as a, as a result of that and I, and I think there's a space for that I think it's important but for me it's just if you can relate to any experiences I've had which is all I've done through social media share if, if you can relate to that we can have a conversation and as a result of that we may be able to allow you to understand yourself better. What does that mean? You've probably got no idea at the moment. But yeah. if you're you're quite quickly, I think we all have that underlying thing inside of us going. I know there's more in me. Mm. I know there's more for me to give as a parent. There's more for me to give as a golf professional. There's more for me to give as the business owner. And all it ever is, Dave. You know the the, the most impactful conversations I now have are probably when I meet someone for a three-hour walk through fields. Mm. just the two of us where mm. they feel safe to allow parts of themselves to be explored that they probably never ever allowed to happen they never mm. had the space to do that so there's no magic from like i think from from my side mate and at times that imposter comes in going how can you do this you know you're like well what what are you doing you're not providing anything and the people are like this is life-changing like how can mm. you- i need this in my life and i'm like well what is that And I think it's safety, mate. It's it's safety to bring them parts and explore them parts. You don't want to drink. You do want to drink. You want to talk about emotion. You want to talk about how you're feeling, what's going wrong, the dark thoughts you've got in your mind. All of it's okay. But I think this is also where that message gets a little bit blurred in like the let talk message because – I've probably tried to share some of that over the years with certain individuals and it's probably got shunned, which makes me feel worse over here, which is probably me. So it's, I think, be mindful of where that is. Do you feel safe in regards to the connection or the identification that you feel with that individual, whoever that may be?
0: 100%. And so um, when I first got sober, I was asked to volunteer at this, um, like it was a day center, drop in center, right? And these guys were hardcore. Uh, women had lost their kids. Uh, they were going hour to hour with their drinking, you know. Um, and I did a twelve-week peer mentor course there, uh, held by the guy. And I said to him in the beginning, "How do you help these people? Because they, you know, these are like morning drinkers and what?" And he said, "I listen." And that was it. And that was such a powerful line to me. It's like people just need to feel heard Mm. a lot of the time and not judged because when we get wrapped in this addiction, the shame that I had, like there weren't the only people I could talk to were people who were the same as me. That was still hooked into their addiction. Right. And, and I remember a guy Every Monday morning, he would ring me, and I was on the phone for like three quarters an hour, and he would go through his whole routine of his drinking. He was married. I lived on my own, so how he used to hide his drinking, he uh, would open a can and cough when the, the ring pull went, you know, and one day she said, do you honestly think I don't know what you're you're doing? But to talk to someone else that can offer that safe space is more valuable than have an early night, have a bath, do this, do Mm -hmm. that, blah, blah. We can all read about those kind of things. It's offering that that space without judgment I find is really important. And I suppose as well for, you probably noticed this as well as me, that there are more and more men coming out of the woodwork where before, for me especially, grey area drinkers are mainly women because I find that men go past that stage before they realise they've got a problem. I'm now having a lot of current twitters on my account that are actually beginning to realise they've got a problem with their drinking before it gets to that stage where they need further help. You know, uh, and to see, you know, we got Josh Connolly he's working a lot with men. Uh, the Josh's man. work is 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 profound. Yeah, because yeah.
1: and I think I, I think we talk about like the connection there i'm looking and hearing things where i go like and, it, and and i'm sure it doesn't for everyone but there's certain things where you're like that i feel that mm. and i think any minute you can look at something and you can feel it rather than go like there's that urge rather well, that, that sounds great i'll do that yeah the minute that that cuts you and i think again we talk on feelings and emotion will alcohol is going to suppress feelings and emotion. Hence yeah. why we probably did it pretty early on. So you, we're, we're, we're certainly more open to that sensitive side of us. So you feel deeper, you feel things a lot deeper and a lot more intense, which can which is gift and curse because around certain people, that's a lot to, to, to live with as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's, there's some great people. And I think maybe that's all quite often find myself sort of on, scrolling through linkedin or something and 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 just asking that question when there's a lot of advice from from people of just like maybe if we just had that responsibility to share our own experiences Mm. on a on a deep level especially if we want to help and then you can decide does that relate to you Mm. or not and and i think then we'll 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 make some serious inroads on whatever we want to make them inroads in mental health alcohol addiction
0: and i think that's the power of social media now is that you know you get a lot of criticism not you personally um social media uh and i've had a few things lately that i haven't particularly liked you know said to me but i've risen above it and i've stayed in my lane and i've kept my head down and carried on you know mine's a sobriety account and that's all i talk about really and mental health but I, I just think it's brilliant the way that there are so many accounts out there that are there to support people. And and it's like if one thing plants a seed in one individual, it's worth everything we do. You know, you probably have quite a few people Dave that I don't know if you I'm sure you do that say I've been watching your stuff for
1: quite a while. And it takes a long time, like you're saying, for that to to keep just keep hitting at the right time. Am I looking mm. at it at the right time? And I think. I've probably, over the time, maybe forced things with some people when they weren't ready, mm-hmm. perhaps, like when I mm-hmm. think back now. And I think when people are ready, the messages are there for them to
0: see and you sort yeah, of know when yeah. you're ready. Yeah, it's it's leaving the door open for them to walk in. Yeah. You know, that's how I look at it. You know, you don't have to drag them in. You just leave the doors open uh, and provide the space. And you know, I get lovely messages saying um about partners about children, you know, I had a message saying that um I met someone's daughter at one of my events, and we had a brief conversation, and she went for university, not being drunk once, and she got a first uh and, and I hear things like that, and it's just amazing, you know, um so I think the work that we all do on social media is amazing, and what you do as well mate and um and um, where can people find you, Lewis? I mean, the best place is Instagram
1: under the sharing experience um or find my name, LinkedIn. Um The website is under the sharingexperience.com, but you know, have a complex over the website. I always when you to think like, there's got to be some super duper thing, but my details are there. The truth's there on my experiences. And by all means, I encourage anyone, if there's anything you relate to then. and And I appreciate your kind words, mate, because it's, it's felt equally as well you know your your experiences you can consistently share the truth and as I say I think if we focused ourselves on that I think we'd have more change than it's that deliver the message and be the message rather than deliver the message and and be the opposite
0: and you're good friends with sober joe aren't you and she's appeared a couple of weeks ago and it's interesting with joe because She talks a lot about ADHD uh, and how that affected their life and how alcohol helped numb that and whatever. And she's such a had such an amazing response from that. And uh, this is what I love about these podcasts because it gets the message out there. People listen to them and they relate. And it's long content as well. You know, it's out there forever. So I'm sure people will really relate to what you've said today. I'm so grateful that you've joined me. Uh, and one day, hopefully, we'll meet up and we'll have a nice we, cup of tea. We will. There's many people from them, um, which obviously Joe
1: did with the when the clubhouse was going. That was a saviour through um uh, through the lockdown, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So there's many people in there that I've only seen a a, a picture of them about that big. Yeah, the squares. Uh,
0: so... <laughs> this is when I do my events and you see people in real life and it's like, oh my god. You know, I, I, I had an event a couple of weeks ago and uh, Cher. Actually, there were loads of people there from my podcast, but Cher, the bass guitarist of Gorillaz, was there and he's such a dude. you know what I mean? And we just sat talking and everyone, Jack Cottrell was there, Adrian Cox, and that. And afterwards, it yeah, has a knock on effect. He's like, I can't believe I was in a room full of sober people that weren't, you know, no one was an asshole. It, it's such an experience. Where's the
1: fighting? Yeah, where's the, yeah, exactly yeah and you think you think dave and again like just to draw back you don't make that one decision all of that time ago you don't sit in that place creating that yeah. environment yeah and, and it's so one one decision
0: that you make that can change so much you know and it has sounds um, for both of us so hopefully this podcast to help thank you so much mate and uh i'll catch up with you soon top man thanks buddy thank take you care. mate take it easy I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of One For The Road. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review. You can now download my app Sober Dave on the Apple and Google Play Store. And on there you will find lots of tutorials, tips and